Welcome back to another week of Behind the Lens. I'm Debbie Elias, film critic, creator, and host of Behind the Lens, where we go behind the lens and below the line with the movers and shakers, the film and TV makers, the producers, the writers, the directors, the actors, the cinematographers, film editors, sound editors, sound mixers, composers, costume designers, production designers, VFX gurus, and more. I'm out and about doing some off-air interviews today, so I have pre-recorded this show for you with exclusive interviews from two very talented actors, Madison Eisman and Leah Gibson, both with new films just out this weekend. I think it's safe to say that it's Ladies' Day on Behind the Lens. First up, we're going to get started right away, is my exclusive interview with the wonderful Madison Eisman. You already know her from films like Clouds, Feast of the Seven Fishes, Annabelle Comes Home, and the acclaimed TV series, I Know What You Did Last Summer, where she played three different characters. Now Madison ups the ante and co-stars in the fantasy adventure Knights of the Zodiac. I love this film. The fantasy aspect of it and the visuals are outstanding. It's based on the international anime sensation uh, Knights of the Zodiac now brings the Saint Saya saga to the big screen in live action for the first time. Saya, who is played by McInew, is a headstrong street teen who spends his time fighting for cash while searching for his abducted sister. When one of his fights ta somehow taps into mystical powers he never knew he had, he now finds himself thrust into a world of warring saints, ancient magical training, and a reincarnated goddess who needs his protection. And then there's Sienna, who just happens to be that reincarnated goddess. She's a young woman on her own journey, as she too has mystical powers, powers of the gods, and will transition into the goddess Athena. But in the meantime, she's trying not to not only come to grips with living at home with her divorced dad, a god no less, who is just as strict as any human dad, also deal with her increasing powers and those who would seek to destroy her. Can we say Mother might give Joan Crawford a run for her money? Madison stars as Sienna slash Goddess Athena, and she is fantastic. Along with McInew, Sean Bean plays Sienna's father, Famke Jansen, her mother, and also along for the writer Mark DeCasos, Diego Tinoco, and Nick Stahl. Directed by Thomas Bajinski, the film, it is beautiful, it is action-packed, it is fun, it is high-gloss. The story is just absolutely wonderful, um, and I can't encourage you to see it enough. In this interview with Madison, we cover everything nights, from hair and costume to embracing the role to cosmos and more, including... What do you think her ultimate dream project is? You're going to hear about it in just a minute. She is an absolute joy. So take a listen to Madison Eisman talking about Knights of the Zodiac. Well, hey, Madison. Hi, how are you? I am very happy to get to speak with you this morning. I absolutely did. I wouldn't be talking to you if I hadn't seen it. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to hear your thoughts. I think, number one, it looks beautiful. 
Number two, I love the story. I am hoping that we get some, this turns into a franchise. Yeah, were, were you familiar at all with, with the anime or manga before you watched it? I was not. So this was all totally fresh for me. But now I do want to. I do want to see the anime. Uh, yeah, which, which, which is awesome too. Like, were you were you able to sort of understand and um, kind of like everything that was going on, having no idea? Oh, absolutely, oh, absolutely. Because it basically so much of it piggybacks on a takeoff on the story of the Greek and Roman gods, and. That's always, I've always just been drawn to those tales and stories. And here we, we have a little bit more of a spin, kind of like, uh, you know, Wonder Woman on her island and you get trained. And here we have Saya who's getting trained. Yes, he's got, he has the Cosmo as does Sienna. And it's this great journey to your I'm ultimate gonna, destiny. So I know, like... to comprehend in that respect, Madison. I don't think anybody is going to have a trouble, have any trouble figuring out and seeing the journey that everyone is on. Sienna, your journey as Sienna is just amazing because, and this is where you really shine in straddling that line between being a human girl, but who has this power within her and is going to be transitioning into the goddess Athena. And all you want to do is get out of the house and be normal. And you can't. And I think on many levels, I think you're going to have a lot of girls and even boys who are struggling with that themselves. It's like, oh, I don't want to be in the house. I, my parents are too strict. I just want. But you see... You make it very easy to understand what Sienna is going through. We see and feel the conflict within her. Good. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, and that, and that was important to get across, too, because I know, you know, as we're adapting this to live action, it, it was important for us. We wanted to, we, what's the word I'm looking for? We wanted to reinvent these characters in a way that was, you know, it, it's current. And so yeah. it was important to make her just not this, you know, damsel in distress. We really wanted to give her sort of that strength behind that to where, like, yes, she, she does need her nice feet. She does need Saya. But, you know, she has the strength in herself to do it. And so that was important for me to try to get across. Well, you definitely do. And watching the arc, Sienna's arc from the beginning and then in the third act, with the big climactic moment, not to give away any spoilers, but the big climactic moment for Sienna in that third act. And then even when you think, okay, this is it, humanity 
Sienna never loses her, her, her humanity at any time in her journey. And the love of a family. And that's something that has impressed me with this story so much, Madison, is the quote-unquote divorced parents, each with, <laughs> each with different ideas as to how their daughter should be raised. Dad has her. Mom is a pain in the butt, <laughs> for lack of a better description. And we, and so many children, teens, even as adults, when your parents are divorced, there's that war between them and it siphons down to you. And, and I also love, you know, going off that too, is, you know, all of these characters are, they're all morally gray. Like, yeah. Yeah, and that, and you see that. So the story is structured. Visually, we follow that journey. The story is structured so that we feel and see that. And so often in a film like this, you know, a fantasy, sci-fi kind of thing, you lose some of that. You lose that humanity and that, persona and that personal touch. And we don't here. Even though Saya gets more screen time because of all his martial arts training, I wanted to see more of Sienna's story, in all honesty. I wanted to see more, which is why I am champing at the bit now for a sequel to learn I mean, more. To be, there, there is, if, you're, if you're not familiar with, with St. Saya at all, there, there is, there's a huge universe, and there yeah. are, we barely scratched the surface on everywhere the even love to see this as a series hmm. yeah, as an ongoing idea. series because when we to meet all the knights of the zodiac and there are plenty of them anybody that knows their greek mythology you know all they have to do is look it up and you see all of these gods who are essentially the knights here uh like pegasus but oh i would love this as a series i think yeah. it And something else that is so standout here is the father-daughter relationship between Sienna and Almond. That's what every little girl wants, is a daddy who's going to protect her like that. 
to a degree, but let her out of the house once in a while. Uh, well, you know, that, that's his flaw. He, he loves her so much that he loves her too much. Um, um, and, but I mean, Sean Bean, he's just oh. he's so talented. It was such a treat to be able to work with him. He's, I'm such a huge fan, and I feel like it was the greatest acting lesson on set. Some of our scenes together are some of my favorites. Your scenes together are at times like the nightmare in the middle of the night and he runs in to Sienna's bedroom. Oh my God. That is just, it's daddy's here. You know what's so funny about that? I, I had such a hard time. I, I love the way it turned out. And usually this happens too. Some days like on, on the, on the day, you just have a hard time figuring out what the scene should be. And we, we tried lots of different things. And I remember I was so frustrated at the end of that day and, and like slight not embarrassed but like I was with Sean you know I was like with a legend I was like I wanted to do that but I can't and and then I watched the cut and I was like why, why did I get upset this is so great that is such a beautiful heartfelt scene it just it made my heart melt watching that scene it really did this begs the question Madison how much rehearsal time did you get um, did all of you get, because uh, those scenes with Sean, your scenes with Famke, and to watch the shift in that dynamic is just spectacular. And of course, with Mac and you, Asaya, did you get a lot of rehearsal time? Or was a lot of time spent with suspending you so that you could be floating in the air as yeah. Athena? film at first blush for everybody is going to be the incredible visuals. I can just imagine as we have temples crumbling and rock falling everywhere and 
I know that's all being done green screen and you're supposed everybody's supposed to look petrified and scared and yet defiant and strong and I, that had to be actually hilarious when you think about it. Also, like, they, they created this rig for me to sit on while I'm floating. <laughs> with the so I'm basically sitting on the bicycle seat, and the stunt guys are hoisting me into the air and, like, pushing me up and down. And I'm like, it looks so ridiculous on the day. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's so crazy. But it, it makes it worth it in the end. It looks so good. Well, one thing that looks really, really good is your purple hair. Oh, I mean, it's perfect because when you see purple, you think of royalty. And Athena is a, she's a goddess. It balances the line between, you know, the, the truth of live action is you want it to be grounded, but you want to stay truthful to what has been done before. But you don't want it to be cheesy, but you don't want it to be too grounded to where it, it doesn't feel big enough. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's complicated. There's a lot of things to think about. And so a big thing with the purple hair is we just really thought it might not come off. It, 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 might, it might not look good, like, simply enough. And then I remember we tried on a bunch of wigs, and I came out in, like, the final version of the wig, and our producer, Yoshi, who's been working on St. Seiya for, for so many years, and he teared up when he saw it for the first time, and I just don't think he ever realized it could look like it did, and, and, and as soon as that happened, we sort of knew that we had to stick with the purple hair. Yeah, it looks spectacular. And then complementing that is your costume. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh, our costume department just did such, such an incredible job. And, and sort of the same thing, balancing this grounded real world with fantasy elements, with a mixture of Greek mythology. I mean, even my Athena dress, um, she has this breastplate, this breastplate with the symbol, the owl, which is the symbol of Athena. So there's, there's all these tiny details that they put into everything, and they just did such a spectacular job. Oh, I mean, beautiful. The armory that's created, you know, everything. Now, I'm curious for you as an actor, Madison, how important is the is costuming for helping you inform your character? For me, 100%. And I, I know there's a lot of people who can easily sort of do it without it. I, I never feel like I'm fully complete until I'm I'm 100% in my costume, hair and makeup. It's, it's always, physical attributes have always been very important to me, which is also why, you know, from product to project, it's partially, partially the reason why I really wanted my purple hair. <laughs> I love to make all my characters I play just so different from each other. Like, the biggest compliment I think I can get in public when people see me is, oh my gosh, you don't look like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I know. I did that on purpose, you know, because I like to make choices that I don't like to see Madison necessarily in characters I play. So for me, the physical transformation is always so important. I really like to switch it up, and I like to chop my hair. I like to color it. I like to throw on tattoos, you know. I like <laughs> to do whatever I can to separate myself. Well, I know. it's. I watched Clouds not too long ago for the umpteenth time. And to see you in that and see you in this, you'd never know it's the same person. I love that. I thought it was my favorite thing ever. Yeah. Um, uh, and Clouds is such a special movie. It, that's so funny. I'm in Montreal right now, and this is where we filmed Clouds four years ago. And, oh, my gosh, what a, what a special, a special film. It, that was one of my favorite things I think I've ever worked on. It, it still makes me cry every time I see it. 
every time. Yeah, I don't have time for me to watch it again. I don't think I've watched it in a couple of years. To see you in that and then not knowing that I would be seeing Knights of the Zodiac, it really struck me and I think impacted me even more watching you in Zodiac. Wow, I love that. Thank you. Just because it was so hard to believe this is the same person, the same actor. Yeah. Well, that, I'm not kidding. That is, that is the best compliment you can give me. That is my favorite thing in the world. I love when people have no idea to me. And you have stretched yourself as an actor so much, Madison. Feast of the Seven Fishes. It's funny. It's heartwarming. I love it. And you got to work with Lynn Cohen. So that's a win-win right there. Here you get to here you work with Sean and with Fomka. That's a win-win. But then you go into some darker things like the Annabelle comes home, or even I know what you did last summer, and that is a real testament to your ability as well, because you're playing multiple characters in that series. So you have this great ability to to turn on a dime and change up. When I when I look for roles, I like to look for roles that are completely different from each other. Um, I actually I think that all really started when um, after the first Jumanji, which completely changed my life, my favorite thing I've ever done to this day. <laughs> but I, I remember I had a hard time. Um, people wouldn't see me for any other role that it wasn't a blonde bimbo with a phone in his hand. They just didn't think I could do it. And I actually remember talking to Justin Baldoni when they were casting Clouds. My name came into conversation, and they kind of just, like, brushed me off at first. They didn't think I could, not that they didn't think I could do it, I just don't think they even considered it really a possibility. And he told me that, and he told me that because, like, I came in, we did, and this is back in the day when you actually went in the room and you weren't on the computer. But I came in, and we did callbacks, and we did chemistry reads and mixed matches, and it was it was just the most beautiful moment. And then he, I remember he told me when I finally got cast, he was like, yeah, we weren't going to see you. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I think from then on, I really made it a path for me to always pick characters that were separate from each other. Mm -hmm. Well, in addition to picking projects with a variety, an eclectic blend of characters, is, what is it you look for when a script comes your way? What strikes you first? Is it the script itself, the story? Is it the director attached? Have you developed a system yet? I need a system. Um, I think it would make my life so much easier. I think it depends. You know, I think sometimes it is the people that excite me that are a part of it. Sometimes it is the story. And I'm, I'm a huge book reader, so I read scripts like books. And if I'm not, you know, if I'm not in in the first 20 pages then usually it's a no but I just like I like good storytelling that's just always been the basis of what I love to do I love to tell stories I love characters I love stories that move me and so it's really the story and then and then that's just the character you know like what is my character doing is she a shell of a woman is she is she powerful is you know how is her arc and then um and then it kind of all comes together at that point but I do think it starts with it really starts with the first 20 pages for me now that you've, you've got this big, because this, this is a big film, Knights of the Zodiac is big on multiple, on many levels. Are you finding that you have a particular genre that you like to look at? Because you have done some of everything. You've done comedy, you've done horror, you've done drama. Now you've done a spectacular like this. 
Is there a genre that you prefer at this stage of the game? No, I like it all. <laughs> I like that challenge me. So, and I think that comes from choosing so many different genres because I do like doing the thing I hadn't done before. So I like a challenge. Um, I will say though, like I, I'm on a fantasy kick right now. I'm like reading a fantasy series. So like this came on my lap and I was all in. I was like, I will play a goddess. And I think right now too, with fantasy, there's budget. So I'm really <laughs> liking these like big production projects. I love the fan. I love the costuming. I love to feel like a completely different person and like I'm in a completely different world but also this will probably change in like a year I feel like next year I'm going to say like give me the tiny indie film with like <laughs> one million dollar budget and like the best story ever so I don't know I'm always changing my mind I can't make it up hey variety is the spice of life yeah yeah you know I learned like day by day you never know when you're going to change your mind you never know what's going to happen tomorrow so I just do with what I go with what feels good in the moment do you have a dream project that you would like to do one day? Do I? <laughs> <laughs> there's, uh, oh my gosh, there's a book series I'm reading right now that I'm obsessed with. And um, they had the rights to it back in 2015, Hulu did. And I don't know if they're still continuing to do anything with it. But it's all, honestly, I'd love to be a part of anything in the Sarah J. Mask universe, she's an author, and she makes incredible characters, and all of her books are getting, their rights are going left and right, and everyone's buying them. So I don't know. I would love to be a part of something she creates, for sure. That is like a dream role. Oh, my God. Well, I've got one last question for you, Madison. We've got Sienna has a Cosmo. Her Cosmo leads her to become Athena. What is Madison's Cosmo? It's so funny you're asking me. I feel like this has been a theme in my life recently. I, you know, this has been an interesting year. It's been an interesting past three years. I think I can speak for everyone mm -hmm. on, on that. But I just, like, recently have very much sort of, like, tried to reorganize my life, right? And I'm like, what do, what do I want? which is the big question. So, you know, I think my Cosmo, I think it's, as cheesy as it sounds, is happiness. I think that is the only thing that is driving me from point A to point B and what I'm looking for in life. And I truly just like everything else aside, I just want to be happy. I literally just want to be happy. All anyone has to do is listen to you talk about work and you hear the happiness <laughs> in your voice. So I do love work. I, lo I love what I do. It's well, that comes through loud and clear, Madison. This has been such a delight getting to talk with you. I have long wanted to, and we finally have now gotten to chat, and I hope we do it again in the future. Thank you. This was so nice. It was so nice to meet you. Same here. I look forward to the next time. Thank you. Me too. And that was Madison Eisman talking Knights of the Zodiac, which is out now in theaters. It will be on digital. This Friday, May the 19th, and then on, uh, on pay-per-view, on demand, on June the 2nd. But now let's turn our attention to another actor who is no stranger to many, Leah Gibson, who may best be known to a large contingent of Hallmarkies for her work in The Christmas Note and other Hallmark TV movies, as well as years of TV one-offs. 
teaming up with John Voight and Jonathan Reese Myers under the direction of Tony Dean Smith, who is, and I gotta say it, a hallmark directorial legend to all the Postables fans out there. Leah now stars in Mercy. It's an action-packed thriller with Leah as an ex-military doctor who finds herself in a deadly battle for survival when the Irish Mafia seizes control of the hospital at which she works. When her son is taken hostage, she's forced to rely upon her battle-hardened past and lethal skills after realizing there's no one left to save the day but for her. Isn't that always the way it falls on the woman? Oh, I'll tell you. Talk about stretching her acting chops, though. While there are themes of heart and family, this is, you've never seen anything like this from Leia. She stretches her acting chops and her athletic chops, and she is fantastic. So take a listen as Leia and I dig into Mercy. Hi, Debbie. I'm so good. How are you? I'm very happy to be speaking with you about Mercy. Oh, my God. <laughs> Let me just qualify that, oh, my God, with... I have seen you in your Hallmark films like The Christmas Note, Mismatched. This is anything but a Hallmark film. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> you kick ass. I love when we more and more films are starting to have women stepping up into the action role, and you definitely do that here, especially in that third act. Your character of Michelle just builds up so well. I mean, you get you spend most of the movie alone until we get to that third act where things explode. Just a job so well done. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. What was it about this script when it came your way? Uh, you've got an incredible director, Tony Dean Smith. Uh, I love his work as an editor. I mean, he's done every single sign sealed, delivered for Hallmark. He's done the Christmas train. He's like their go-to editor, and it's given him a really great eye in terms of visuals, but also the pacing. So for you to step into a role like this with Tony at the helm, I think was brilliant. But I'm curious, what was it that attracted you to this one? Great observations and great questions. And, you know, it's, it's so interesting in this industry how things can just come together in a really synchronistic and seemingly organic way. And every element of that part of the coming together of this process influences the entire project overall. And what I just said is a, a very clumsy paraphrase of something that John Boyd said to me the first time I met him, which was a meeting regarding Mercy. I uh, was, let's see, I auditioned for this role um, with a friend of mine. We were not given a script, um, so he helped work the piece for me. But it was actually Tony Dean Smith, who was, of course, attached to direct it. He's, he's about the only information, really, that I had about the feature I didn't know that John and Johnny were going to be involved or that were previously attached. So Tony Dean Smith and I had never even met at that point, but I knew, of course, that he had edited some of my previous work in Hallmark, uh, in the Christmas Note especially. And so Tony and I started being in touch. And, and I know that he was, he was uh, 
largely responsible for for kind of putting me forward for the role of Michelle because there's something that's so interesting as an actor to work on a piece and to prepare a role in, in an intellectual capacity and to give a different, sometimes very different emotive take throughout the arc of the character's life or whatever meeting we're doing, whether it's an episode of TV or a TV movie, a TV movie in particular, or a feature film, of course, which is a snapshot of the character's life beginning to end. And so you really do get to experience and journey through a bit of a defined arc. And so what I'm trying to explain is the fact that for the relationship between an actor and an editor, it can be sometimes this very nonverbal but but pseudo-artistically intimate position or relationship dynamic between the two because I've experienced this before where, you know, I've worked on a project and I don't meet the editor, of course, until after, maybe it's at the premiere or something, and I feel a kinship to the editor because sometimes they are the person that sees all of my work in ways that the audience never will, mm-hmm. aside from who is there in the moment through the experience of filming it. And so, needless to say, Tony was Tony saw me. He understood me as an actor because he, we we kind of went through that journey before, even though as I say we hadn't met. But he could speak on behalf of me, and the Christmas note was a special experience for me, and it was definitely uh, a role that you know there was a, a beautiful and very specific emotional arc for the character, and it was played specifically in the niche of a hallmark world, but it was, you know, dealing with heavier themes that we're mm-hmm. not used to really maybe exploring in Hallmark of, about grief and loss and estranged family members. These are kind of like sort of alternative ideas in the Hallmark world. And so uh, Tony kind of saw my different takes and the, and the nuances throughout that character. And, uh, and he did share with me early on through communication leading up to that first meeting with John Boyd and the producer Stephen Paul. Um, it was a meeting that Tony FaceTimed into to say it was the first time we had a hello, really. <laughs> um, but you know, he said that he was um, he was taken by me as an actor because he felt like he understood me that way. So I I am so grateful for that relationship. And I never could have known in doing the Christmas note that it would come full circle the way like this. You don't know these things in the industry that they're going to happen. But and just to wrap up the whole story, <laughs> it was that first meeting I was invited to. You know, I get a call from my agent, and they said, in two hours, can you go meet with the producer about this thing that you auditioned for? And I said, okay, it's like two hours away, so it's pretty get ready, and I hop in my car, and I, and I pull up, and John Boyd is standing in the parking lot. And I pull up my little Mini Cooper, and he's sort of like, he sort of like gives me this sort of like up and down, you know, but it was kind of like, like assessing me, like sussing me out. And he just gave this nod of approval, kind of, and I was like, oh, my God. I, like, I had no idea who this was related to the project, but we sit down, and Stephen Hall was there, and, and uh, American Casting was there, and, and that's when John sort of, you know, we were talking about some of my experience, and, and he said, you know, he said, people like you and me that work in this industry, we come together for a reason. And, yeah, I just... Um, I had to, had to share that little story with you. <laughs> and I, oh my God, I can't believe he's even like referencing me in relation to him. But that was the first meeting and, and kind of the beginning of all of it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and of course, compounding, you know, the, your whole Hallmark background, you get Alex Wright writing a script who also 
comes out of the Hallmark world. What I love the fact is I'm familiar with Alex's work as a director, his Once Upon a Prince, but then also some of his Christmas films that he wrote. So to see all of you now come together in a film that is so unhallmark overall with the action. I'm glad you think so. I'm glad you think so. There's a little bit of warmth, you know, a little bit of that hallmark essence. Yes. Between, you know, mother, mother, son, and sort of the, you know, the core values of of the family unit, and and ultimately the driving force behind what we, what, how far would you go? To yeah. That, which is you and that can be said both for Michelle's journey and for the Irish family, right? It's sort of this interesting juxtaposition of the two worlds. And very much so. A little darker and a little more, you know, sort of more violent than we would see in Hallmark. Ultimately, um, I think all good television and all, all good entertainment. I love the core values of the characters and the themes, and it's that familial theme. And to see parents, John Voight's character of Patty and your character of Michelle, who love their children, you're protecting yours. He, in essence, thought he was protecting his through growing up. And then look how the one turned out. Um, so we get to see yeah. different parenting happening here. And it's very interesting, especially once we've got John's character of Patty meeting with Anthony's character of Bobby, who plays your son. And very fascinating to watch those scenes unfold, especially your first meetings. Your connection with Anthony is just amazing. Absolutely oh, okay. amazing. That oh, really okay. plays so well throughout the film. And the fact that Michelle has a child that listens to her. That's miraculous in and of itself anymore, I think. But the big thing here is you've got a lot of physical intensity happening with the role. Did you have to do any kind of, did you do all of your own stunt work here? Your own arms okay. handling? Because you handle the arms really, really well. The armament. Oh, good. Oh, I'm so glad you think so. Yes, I absolutely, um, I did all of my own stunt work, except I have a, an, an amazing stunt double, my, my dear girlfriend, Mitra, um, who is just an incredible real-life badass, and she, she did the hard stuff for me, so she went through a table for me. Yes, she did. <laughs> the rest of the sequence is I did perform, and, um, and we had an amazing stunt coordinator, Dan Rizzuto, who's just one of the top top in North America. He's, he's just an incredible, incredibly talented. He's uh, got seven black belts in different disciplines. He's worked on Marvel productions. Like he, he's worked all over the world with uh, performing and, and training and um, getting ready for an A-list. He's, he's just truly one of the best. And so, you know, the moment that I touched down in Vancouver, I flew in I reached out to a friend of mine who's in the stunt world, and I said, help, I, I need to start training immediately, and he set me up with Dan Rizzuto, again, the stunt coordinator, and uh, I, I texted Dan, I said, I will literally take up all of your free time, and so we didn't have a lot of time to schedule in with the production, but I did take as much of it as I could, and was rehearsing, and when I wasn't rehearsing the, um, the stunt choreography sequences, 
to say that your precision with your movements is just insane as you're pivoting you're turning your handling of the armaments just fabulous nothing sloppy there you really had that military precision that somebody who had served and was a silver star winner and and purple heart and all of that that kind of snap movement and I was really impressed with that thank you so much again I have Mitra and and Vivek for that because it's their well of knowledge and their uh, their time to prepare me that you know that, that's everything and there is that you know there's there's executing movements but then there's also stylizing them efficiently within within what Michelle's background is purportedly to be and so it's got to come through in the physicality seamlessly. And so it was definitely a challenge. It was definitely a challenge. Well, you pulled it off. I, I get, You really pulled it off. And that, the character really, Michelle, will rise and fall on that if you had not been so up to snuff and exemplary with that, Leah. Um, Thank you. Because that's such an important part of the character. So, yes, impressive, impressive job. Now, uh, Thank you. I have to say, like, with this shooting schedule, it was very much run and gun and, uh, to a certain degree. And so there were sequences that we choreographed that I, that I worked with the stunt team that needed to be changed, you know, while, we were set, while they were setting up the camera equipment. Like, we needed to go into a different room and reset or re-choreograph the piece because it didn't fit the set design the way that it ended up being and so there was some there was definitely like some last minute stuff that happened that um you just have to value the incredible stunt team for being so professional and being able to work under that level of pressure and access creativity at high level and coach me through the type of precision that is needed like it was it was definitely <laughs> an experience oh my <laughs> god with an independent project like this, rehearsal time is just such a luxury anymore with the run and gun shooting that happens and trying to get things done in, within two weeks, generally with most of these indie productions. Did you have any chance for rehearsal? Because as I said at the top, you spend so much of this film alone, but, you do, but the, when you have interactions, they are powerful. When you go toe-to-toe with Jonathan Reese Myers as Sean or with John Voight or with Anthony, did you have the luxury of rehearsal time to establish 
the different relationships that you have with each one of them? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. No, there was no rehearsal time on this outside of uh, the physical practice. So insofar as the creative works, like we did actually have one day, one afternoon, like a Sunday afternoon, that some of the forecast got together, but it was to readdress and restructure some of the writing in the very final moments of the script. But it wasn't just, it wasn't so much, it wasn't actually about rehearsal at all. Um, But again, like working with these two greats, I mean, John and Johnny, they're just so, so brilliant. And they come with so much experience. And they also, I mean, this should go without saying, but they both come with so much experience in filming features. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting to me to experience, and it wasn't that I was unprepared for this shift, but I I did surprise you a bit as we went. About 95, 90% of my my 18 years of work in film has been in TV. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is a, it's just a different way of working than when you're on a feature where there's a potentially, maybe this isn't the case all the time, but it was in this situation, there's a little bit of leeway with dialogue, for instance. And for me, like, I come from television where you don't switch a that for that or this or that, like everything, you know, you hit the punctuation the way that it's scripted. This is just how I've always worked. So it was, it was pretty wild for me to play with these two greats who were open to sometimes a flow of inspiration. And things might change quickly. And, you know, it was, it was slightly intimidating for me at first, but also a tremendous learning opportunity for me. Yeah. Uh, to be able to just be in the moment and be on your breath and be right there eye to eye with Jonathan your confrontations with Jonathan's character of Sean in that third act, that is off the charts. Off the charts. Um, you know. Thank you. And that's probably because it was literally live. Like, I didn't know what was going to happen. Like, I know it, but didn't know what he was going to do next, you know, maybe. So that's and have, you know, the big sequence in the tunnel underground, the underneath the hospital, that was, it just added with that stony greenish gray tone to it. So that heightened, the visual heightened that scene even more. But just ab- watching the two of you face off was just amazing. Absolutely amazing to see, Leah. Don't ever sell yourself short, let me tell you. just um, outstanding now I'm curious for you because as you said and as I and as I knew the bulk of your work has been in television this film is a real showcase for you because it really is a three-hander with you and John Voight Jonathan Reese Myers for the most part as the predominant characters here you know, what is it that you're looking for now at this stage of, a, of your career? And with a film like Mercy now under your belt, will this change your approach to scripts that you want to look at, um, directors you want to work with? I'm curious about that since, because you've been paying your dues for a long time. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I said, I think on the, on the carpet for this, you know, this is not my first rodeo, but it is my first action film. 
<laughs> Thank you for these questions. Very attentive. Uh, this, honestly, this this idea working in this type of film has has probably been on my bucket list for a long time, and I say that lightly because, you know, it's also sometimes hard to create goals in the industry that are out of reach from what we're we're willing to take take put our hands on and create for ourselves, right? Like if I were going to write and direct, for instance. Um, you know, I, I feel like I've loved my career. I've loved the roles that I've been able to play. And uh, I, and sometimes people ask me, like, Is, isn't this so interesting? Like, how do you choose your career? It's, it's, you know, while it's happening, you don't always realize that you're making choices like that sometimes. It's, I, I don't have a crystal ball where I can see the types of opportunities that are going to come to me. But I certainly do know that when... A writing, a piece of writing, really resonates with me, or a character resonates with me. It's like it just feels like this piece of the puzzle that fits into your life. That even if it's just you know an early stage of of the process before before you know agreeing to work on the film, you just you just kind of have this experience of resonance within you that is so exciting. And those types of bits, like I say, you can't predict. We don't know what will come throughout that year. Sometimes there are three or four that come that year that feel that way. Sometimes there's only one. Um, so to answer your question in a roundabout way, I, I can confidently say that working in this type of medium is one of the more exciting projects that I've ever done so far. Um, to be able to play a strong female who's also battling her inner demons and doing the best she can and fighting the worst experiences of her life while having to give everything she can for the most sacred thing in the world, which is her son. That interests me right off the bat. And then adding the physicality which was just a whole different level to work with. It's so exciting to me, and I would just absolutely love being able to play more, more of these types of things. I got to tell you, after seeing you in Mercy and seeing the physicality that you br bring to the role and that you're capable of, I definitely see more action in your future. Thank you so much. <laughs> definitely see more. So one last question for you, Leah. I'm really curious because you have been plugging away at this career for so many years now. You know, what is the gift that acting gives to you that keeps you going, that keeps you looking at one more script and taking one more role? What is the gift that it gives to you? I just love it so much. That is the honest answer, you know, and... I've been through, like, so many of us performers who stick with it. I've been through so many ups and downs with it, um, personally and professionally, and a juncture between the two, personally and professionally, at the same time. Um, and I just, at the end of the day, I've had to come back to that question several times, I would say, for myself. And the honest answer is I just love it so much. I, for whatever reason, 
into the energy of words on a paper that somehow encapsulates a real-life person that is only real life when I experience those words. And it's like drawing on, on a level of creativity that is an embodied channel, and I get to do it with these other incredible creatives. And it's just such a, the collaboration is such a beautiful thing. And it's just, there's so many things about this experience that I love so much. Whether it's, whether it's the, the intellectual process and the preparation of just myself in a hotel room sometimes for two weeks before I actually step out on set, I love that work too. I love that work as much as, as when cameras are rolling. Um, I just love it. I just really do. I, and that's always the answer for me. Well, your love of the craft definitely comes through in your performances on screen. Having seen quite a few of your performances, I say that with every bit of confidence. Your love of the craft comes through in your work. Thank you so much, Debbie. Makes me tear up. <laughs> oh, Lynn, this has been so wonderful. I am so excited about Mercy and for everybody to get to see it. And I hope we get to chat again in the future. I would love that so much. Thank you so much, Leanne. You go have a great end of your week and a restful weekend. Thanks, Debbie. You too. Right. And there you have it. Two terrific actors, both of whom I can't wait to speak with again in the future. Two terrific films. Go see them. And sadly, that is all the time we have today. I'll be back in studio next week, and we'll be talking about a film I've been waiting for anxiously, Kandahar, with and director Rick Roman Waugh, my pal. And hopefully we're going to have a very special returning guest joining us as well. Hmm. We've had so many in the past nine and a half years. I wonder who it could be. You'll find out next week. Until then, I'm Debbie Elias. This is Behind the Lens.